mouth may proclaim. Amen. Please be seated. Well, if you um, were here last week, you remember I I gave you a little bit of a teaser. This is kind of a second part um, to last week's sermon. Uh, If you remember last week, uh, Jesus had been asked by somebody in the crowd to mediate between a land dispute and uh, he, his answer was that uh, we were to be on guard against all kinds of greed for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he went on to illustrate what he meant by that by telling the parable of the rich landowner who had a plenteous harvest, so much so that he had enough possessions and grain and all of his needs for many, many years to come. And so the idea is, is that he is not sharing that wealth, but he is hoarding that wealth. And in order to do so, he pulls down his barns and builds bigger Barns, but doesn't ever get to enjoy all of his possessions because he dies that evening that the barns are finished, the construction on the barns are finished. And so Jesus is talking about both generosity and about what hoarding says about our trust in God. Because if we feel the need to hoard, to keep things to ourselves, then there's a, this understanding that we place more trust in what we're hoarding, in what we're keeping, than we do on the Lord for his provision. And he goes on to make the illustration that the birds in the air and the flowers in the field are looked after by our Heavenly Father. How much more does he look after his beloved children who he has created in his image. And so both anxiety and fear about things um, and hoarding of things indicate a lack of trust in God. And he says, do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink. That's very strong word, striving. It's not just working for, it's really kind of putting 100% of who you are into this when the Lord is saying, you know, he's giving you these things. Instead, he says, strive for his kingdom. And if you strive for the kingdom First, all of these things will be given to you as well. In other words, when God is put in first place, his kingdom, his reign, his rule, his ways, his will, then everything else falls into place. And he goes on in today's reading, do not be afraid, little flock. In other words, all your hoarding of things for security will not relieve fear from you. The relief of fear only comes through trusting in God. Do not be afraid, little flock. Isn't that a wonderful, cherishing term? Little flock, gathering in the sheep into his arms. Do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure 
to give you the kingdom. You don't need to strive for the kingdom. The Father gives the kingdom graciously, fully, abundantly to us. So he says, Make purses for yourself, therefore, that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. In other words, the treasures that we make for ourselves in this earthly dimension, in this in this realm, in this kingdom, in earth's kingdom, um, they, they rust, they wear out, there's no security there. Thieves will come in and steal them, but there is a treasure that is accumulated for us in this life that continues with us through death's veil into the life to come, into the nearer presence of God. And he says, so... Put your attention on making that kind of treasure, a purse that holds that kind of treasure. So what is that treasure? How do we, how do we get that treasure? And it has to do with our priorities in the here and now. Do we put God first before our spouse, before our children, before our parents, before our finances, before our possessions, before our work, before our recreation. In other words, do we obey the first commandment, the first of the Ten Commandments? Do we put God first? Because the treasure starts to accumulate once we have those priorities set. You see, surrendered lives of loving obedience to God through the power of his Holy Spirit is the foundation of the riches that are stored up. Where thieves don't break in, moths and rust do not destroy. Now, Jesus isn't saying... Just grin and bear this life until you get to the next one. He's not saying that at all because he placed us and he came incarnate into this world. And so what we do in this world also impacts what happens in the heavenly world, in heaven's dimension. Now, you've heard me say this before. Heaven is not up there over there, far out of reach, something somewhere that we get to after we die. Heaven's dimension, because what is heaven's dimension? Heaven's dimension is where God's perfect rule is perfectly at work all the time. It's where God dwells. And we are told that God rules in the heaven he also rules in our heart. And so heaven is here. It's just we don't see it with our sensate, with our physical eyes. God is as close as the air we breathe in and we breathe out. Closer. So heaven's dimension and earth's dimension are parallel and at places intersecting dimensions. And where do heaven and earth intersect? But in those in whom God's spirit 
dwells. In other words, we are both sensate creatures who live in a fallen, sin-ridden, decaying world, but through baptism, because we have died with Christ and raised again with Christ, we receive his Holy Spirit within us. And so we are also fully spiritual beings. And that which is God dwelling within us connects us into the heavenly realm through Christ. There was only one God-man, and that was Jesus Christ. And so full divinity and full humanity were in Jesus, and we are incorporated into Christ through baptism. And so we are creatures, we are beings, we are human beings who live between these two dimensions. There is a spiritual realm, a heavenly realm, where God's ways are perfectly followed, and an earthly realm. And our commission, what we've been given to do, is to extend heaven's rule, God's rule, God's way of doing things, into earth's dimension. And that's the kingdom work that we've been given to do. So his kingdom expands. And to the extent that we do that, treasure is accrued to us. Not only treasure in the spiritual realm is accrued to us, it's what Jesus is saying. Make purses for yourself, treasure in heaven, but it also impacts our day-to-day lives in this earthly dimension because the more we discipline ourselves to live according to God's ways, um, the better off we are, the healthier we are spiritually and also as we are fully one, physical, spiritual and emotional, it affects our physical being as well. Now, don't get me wrong, I am not saying that we work for our salvation, that we work for the treasure. In fact, if our focus is doing good things so that, um, it actually depletes our treasure. Uh, because last, last week, if you remember, the psalm said we could never work enough to get enough of a ransom to pay for our own debts, for our own souls. Only Christ did that. He paid the ransom for all of us. So in actual fact, this treasure accumulates just because we're focusing on God and his ways as the priority in our lives. And of course, we don't do that with a checklist on one side. Other religions have checklists. We have a living savior in whom is full truth. And so we follow him. Not only do we follow him, but he comes and resides within us through his Holy Spirit. So we don't need the external checklist because we have the internal Spirit of God living within us. But we're to leave enough room, enough of an opening for his Holy Spirit to really make those changes 
in our lives. So where is our motivation when we go about doing God's will? It's because God is first in our lives, because he first loved us, because Jesus, the God-man, came to save us from our sins and draw us further and further into him. So how do we know when we're doing God's will? How do we know when we're actually doing kingdom work? Well, first of all, I'd point you to Jesus' Kingdom Manifesto. Um, That's a whole series of sermons in itself. But his his Kingdom Manifesto uh, begins in Matthew chapter 5 and runs through uh, chapter 7. It's the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. That says what God's ways are, and they're so very different than the, de- than the ways of the world. We have to learn, we have to dig into Scripture to really know what God's ways are, what a kingdom activity, what kingdom living looks like. And we don't do it naturally. We've got to work at it. And it requires a complete reevaluation of our allegiances. We have to reevaluate our life. Where is our primary allegiance? Our allegiance to country needs to drop down a notch. Our allegiance to political parties, our allegiance to town, to family, to ethnic or ethnic origins, to gender, all of these things fall into second, third, fourth, fifth place because our primary allegiance is to God and his kingdom ways. In fact, we made promises or promises were made on our behalf if we were baptized as children. If we made a profession of faith as an adult, we made those for ourselves And in our prayer book, they're synopsized. If you would, please turn with me to page 304 in your book of common prayer. The early church, the early Christians followed, and I think um, Cameron's probably been going over this in the class, a rule of life. Um, a rule of life that helped them um, to, to be discipled in letting God's Holy Spirit inform the ways of their life, how they were to live their lives. If you see on page 304 at the beginning is the baptismal covenant. That's just the uh, Apostles' Creed or uh, like the Nicene Creed, but in interrogatory form. Then we come down at the bottom of the page. And these are the covenantal promises that we make as Christians through our baptism. It's kind of a synopsis of what we are to do to live kingdom lives that accrue treasure for us. In other words, will you continue in the apostles' teaching? Will you be consistent in the reading of Scripture as the apostles in the New Testament have given it to us? 
Will we read scripture? Will we gather together in fellowship as we do here? Will we be consistent about gathering together? Because a Christian is not truly a Christian unless knit together in the body of Christ. The early church knew no such thing as an individual Christian going out and living by themselves. We are only Christians in community because we need each other to be fully the body of Christ in the breaking of bread. And so will you continue in the Eucharist, in participation in the Eucharist, in the prayers? Will you persevere in resisting evil? But it also knows that we don't do that 100% all the time. And so whenever we fall in sin, not to keep on that pathway, but to turn completely around, to repent, to return to the Lord. Will you proclaim by word and example, in other words, in your lives lived out, by example, the good news of God in Christ? Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, not just the people you like, not just the persons you're close to, but will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? And will you strive? That doesn't just mean, well, I'll try every once in a while. Striving is a really strong word. Will you strive for justice and peace among all? All people, indeterminate of where they come from, who they are, and respect the dignity of every human being because every human being is made in the image of God. Many are fallen. Many have fallen to the ways of evil and the enemy. But there is a kernel in there that was made and originally in the image of God, though fallen. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? And the church responds with me, I will with God's help. See, we don't do this by ourselves. We can't possibly. We don't have the strength to do it by ourselves. But with God's help and his Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we can live kingdom lives. And each time we choose forgiveness over unforgiveness, love instead of hatred, to not gossip. Every time we make that choice, There is a treasure accumulating for us in the heavenly realm. Not only that, but it's healthy for us in this lifetime as well. And it's in God's word how we do that. How we let go of those things that we will lose anyway. And do not let them possess us. And build up for ourselves treasure in heaven. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen.